0: Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News recorded on Thursday, the 1st of February, 2018. I'm Judith Doherty and the team this week is Duncan Wynn, engineer, and readers Audrey Luxton and Sally and Ian Rowe. Carol Hartle and Sue Childs, admin, and copying by Duncan Wynne and Audrey Luxton. I would like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our offering. You will hear some useful telephone numbers, what's on in the local theatres, the obituaries, thought for the week, we will open the birthday book, Do let us know yours, so we can wish you a happy birthday. This week's headlines, the sunrise and sunset times, and then the headline stories, followed by the newsworthy stories from the past week. The service is free to users, but if you wish to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR51DA. We do like hearing from you, and a message can be left on the answer phone 01905 767766 or add a note in your wallet. I am going to hand over to Audrey for the telephone numbers.
1: Thank you, Audrey. Here in Wilds Lane, I'll repeat the number you've just been given for, our, for us in Wilds Lane 01905 A number for the police in a non emergency situation 101. Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111. The Worcester Hub, 01905-765-765. Worcester Hive, no, sorry, Worcester... I'm sorry, I don't I can't read this one. Um, anyway, I'll tell you, the, Worcester Live is the theatres, isn't it? Yes, sorry about that. I should know that by now. Uh, Worcester Live to book for the theatres is 1905 611 427 to book or inquire of the Malvern theatres the number is 01684 Thank you. And now
0: um, Sally will read um, what's on in the local theatres.
2: Right, well there's a lot um, coming up. Starting off at number 8 um, which is in Pershore. There is um, a live recording of the Bolshoi Ballet, The Lady of the Camellias, on Sunday the 4th of February at 3 o'clock, and that goes on for three hours. Um, Then there's also a live recording from Tosca from the Royal Opera House in London on Wednesday the 7th of February, and that's at 7.15, and again that goes on for three hours. And then there is a live concert, the Noble Jacks, a rip-roaring alternative folk band, bring a roof-raising energy to live shows. And that's on Friday the 9th of February at 7.30. So those three are all on at number 8 in Pershaw. Then at the Mars Bar in Worcester on Saturday February the 10th at 8 o'clock is a group called the Fez. A homage to steele Dan. So that's at the Mars Bar. Then in Malvern, you have the um, Metropolitan Opera. On February the 10th at five o'clock is L'Elysure d'Amour. Um, that's another live recording. And then a live show Great Expectations by Charles Dickens Um, and it's a Tilted Wig production. Classic novel Burst to Life on stage and that is on Thursday the 8th to Saturday the 17th of February at the Festival Theatre and there's a matinee on Saturday 2.30. There's a morning performance on Thursday at 1015 and the evening performances start at 7:30. So that's great expectations. Then there is um, a lady, Celine Demart, is coming to Worcester St. Swithin's Institute next month. That is Saturday, February the 10th, so actually it's this month. She's no stranger to the area, previously touring as Montparnasse. The group played Malvern. And they are now going out under their singer's name. She will be touring new material during the spring with her quartet. And she sings in English, Spanish and French. And is backed by Chris Tolley, a former acoustic guitarist of the year. With double bass and drums and percussion. So that gig takes place on Saturday, February the 10th at 730 and tickets are available from the Huntingdon Hall box office. Uh, then there's also, uh, this is now at the Regal in Evesham. We're going all around the county here. Ruby Turner Live, one of the country's best-loved soul and gospel divas, is back by popular demand on Thursday the 8th of February. And that's at 7 o'clock. The doors open and the show starts at 8 o'clock. And then, finally, there is um, a folk concert, Catherine Roberts and Sean Lakeman, BBC Radio 2 Folk Award Best Duo winners, uh, long established as one of the UK folk scene's most rewarding partnerships. And they are playing on Saturday, the 3rd of February, at 7.30 at the Bridge Church Headless Cross In Redditch. Um, And then there is another band called Gonzo Moose. A critically acclaimed comedy theatre trio deliver a crazy, enormously inventive and devilishly funny 1950s horror movie spoof. Um, And that is at the University of Worcester, St John's campus. On Thursday, the eighth of February at seven thirty, and also on Sunday, the eleventh of February at Feckenham Village Hall, at 7, on at seven thirty. So, quite a variety of different things um, on in and around the area in the next few weeks. Thank you, Sally. Uh, and now,
0: um, Ian will read out the obituaries.
3: Thank you very much. You. Uh, David Bateman. Uh, passed away on January the 9th. Funeral to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, February the 9th at 1pm. Flowers welcome. Donations for Dementia UK, if desired, may be left in the donation box or sent to AV band funeral directors. Alice Hilda Brown passed away on December the 28th, 2017, aged 93. Funeral service at St Stephen's Church on Wednesday, February the 7th at one fifteen pm followed by internment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for site concern Worcestershire may be left on the collection plate at church or centre E.J. Gummery & Son. Charles Edward Charlie Gregg passed away on January the 15th, aged 87, a celebration of his life will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, February the 8th at 10am. Flowers, family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, in, remem- in memory of Charlie, will be shared between the Alzheimer's Society and the RSPB and may be left in the collection box available at the service or sent by cheque. Only made, checkup, only made payable to the charity to the cooperative funeral care, 17 Lowsmore, Worcester. Mary Hill, née Biddle, passed away on January the 14th, aged 80. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, February the 7th at 12.15pm. Please wear bright clothing. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice may be left at the crematorium or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Donald Leslie Don Dukes passed away on January the 4th, aged 79 years. Funeral service at St Wollstone's Church, Warndon, On Thursday, February the 1st, that was today, at 12.15pm, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Mencap may be left on the collection plate or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons. David Mann passed away on January the 15th, aged 66 years. funeral service has taken place. A celebration of his life is to be held at the Abbey Hotel Malvern on Friday, February the 9th at 1.30pm. Anna McCullough passed away on January the 15th, aged 79 years. A funeral service will take place at St George's Roman Catholic Church on Friday, February the 2nd, at 12:45 p.m., followed by a burial at Astwood Cemetery, family flowers only with donations to Kidney Research UK. Sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Grace Emily Miles passed away on January the 2nd, aged 97 years. Funeral service at St Andrew's Church, Ombersley, on Friday, February the 2nd, at 10 a.m. Followed by internment at the churchyard. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Ombersley Medical Centre may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E. J. Gummery and son. Francis Arthur George Frank Powell passed away on January the 9th, aged 97 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, February the fifth, at one forty-five p.m. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, for Macmillan Cancer Support, may be left in the donation box or sent to A.V. Band. Funeral directors: Ethel, Beatrice, Molly Stevens, passed away on January the ninth. A service of Thanksgiving will be held at Saint Mark's Church on Monday, february fifth, at twelve thirty PM. Donations if desired for Marie Curie Cancer Care or Macmillan nurses may be left on the collection plate at church. Inquiries to EJ Gummery and Son. Douglas Gerald Doug Cook passed away on january sixth, age ninety. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, February the 5th at 10am. Family flowers only, donations if desired for Alzheimer's Research UK may be left in the donation box or sent to AV band. Dorothy Doss Ewers passed away on January the 19th, aged 89 years. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday February the 5th at 9:15 a.m. No flowers please. Donations if desired for the Midlands Air Ambulance may be left in the collection box available at the service or sent by cheque only made payable to the charity to the Cooperative Funeral Care 17 Losmore Worcester. John Leonard Goodyear passed away on January the 8th, aged 83. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, February the 5th at 2.30pm. Flowers or donations if desired for the British Heart Foundation may be sent to E.J. Gummery & Son. A collection plate will also be available at the crematorium. Isabel Mary Francis Blake passed away on January the 11th, age 94. Funeral to take place at, wo- at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, February the 8th at 11.30am. Family flowers only, but donations if desired to the Dogs Trust and Acorns Children's Hospice can be left at the crematorium or sent to Worcester Funeral Service, uh, 31C Barbourne Road, Worcester. Anthony John, Tony Sampson, passed away on January the 18th, aged 78. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, February the 14th at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for Worcestershire Animal Rescue Shelter may be left in the collection box available at the service or sent by cheque only, Made payable to the charity, to the Cooperative Funeral Care, Seventeen Lowsmore Worcester. Brian Hawkswell passed away on January the twelfth, aged fifty-eight years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, February the eighth, at twelve fifteen p.m. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for the Stroke Association may be left on the collection paid at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons, uh, 68 to 70 Omsley Road, Worcester. Annette Nettie Wade, passed away on January the 25th, age 67. Funeral service at Little Comberton Church on Tuesday, February the 20th at 1pm, followed by private cremation. Family flowers only, Donations for St Richard Hospice may be sent to E. Hill and son, Funeral Directors Pershaw. Ros Cowley Ne Harris uh, passed away on January the 12th, aged 91. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, February the 13th at 12.15pm. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, for St. Richard's Hospice may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors Pershaw. And lastly, Paul Fleetwood-Hatt passed away on January the 21st, aged 59. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, February the 15th at 1.45pm. Family flowers only please, donations if desired for St. Michael's Hospice and the Herefordshire and Gloucestershire Canal Trust may be sent to Emma Bowston Funeral Services, Fifty High Street, Bromyard.
0: Thank you, Ian. Our thoughts and prayers go to all those who have died and those who have lost their loved ones. And now th- Thought for the week. Um, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And now, birthdays. Just one birthday this week um, for Joan. Joan Johnson on the 4th of February, this Sunday. So we all wish you, Joan, a very happy birthday.
3: Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Joan.
0: Right, and now um, the headlines and the sunset, a sunrise and sunset. Um, first headline Estate Agent Deposit Fraud. Son denies murder of his dad. Carer stole £300 from disabled mum. Drunk bit and punched bouncers. Velo coming back to city. Pair attacked, robbed. And sunrise now is as early as 7.58am and sunset is getting as late as 4.56pm. And now I'll go over to Sally for the
2: first headline story. An estate agent fraudulently used tenant deposits to ease his own cash flow problems and prop up his failing business. Simon Corley who was a director of Seven Sales and Lettings in Worcester, since dissolved, admitted a single count of fraud after taking £7,640 in deposits and by failing to pass on rent payments. The 53-year-old appeared at Worcester Crown Court yesterday where he was spared an immediate jail sentence. The court heard how Corley should have placed the deposits paid by tenants into a tenancy deposit scheme, but that this did not happen. In many cases, landlords whose lettings he ran were left out of pocket after having to reimburse the tenants. The landlords were described by the judge as having done the decent thing by their tenants, even though they never had the deposit money in the first place. The fraud had six victims at properties in Worcester, at Winchester Avenue, The Spinney, Back Lane South, Blakefield Gardens and Malvern Road. And took place between the first of January two thousand and thirteen, and February the twenty eighth, two thousand and fifteen. Sophie Murray, prosecuting, said, "It seems the financial welfare of the company diminished under Mr. Crawley's directorship through mismanagement." Jason Patel, defending, said Corley, now of Orchard View, Frogmore, Knight- Kingsbridge, Devon, was of previously good character entering his guilty plea last week at the pre-trial preparation hearing. He said Corley had been trading as an estate agent since 1988, setting up his own business in 2004 and rebranding in 2012. Mr Patel argued that the money for a significant number of houses Corley rented out was paid into the tenancy deposit scheme. He would wholeheartedly accept it was bad management on his part. It was a fine line between bad management and dishonesty, Mr Patel told the court. Cawley is now living on the Devon coast with his wife of 25 years and does landscape gardening work. Judge Nicholas Cartwright noted that Cawley had never been in trouble before and gave the defendant a 20% discount in the length of his sentence because he had admitted his fraud. He said as part of your role as a letting agent you were supposed to be taking a deposit of money and putting it into a deposit protection scheme so that in due course tenants who didn't have deductions from their deposit could get their money back. You used that money in order to ease your own cash flow difficulties effectively robbing Peter to pay Paul. The judge told him when his business failed he was unable to pay the money back to the tenants. He added it was left to the landlord to pay back the tenant's deposits despite the fact that landlords had never had the money. You totally ignored your obligation as letting agent to safely ring-fence the deposits in the way you should. Judge Cartwright says such tenancy deposit schemes were there to protect tenants from unscrupulous landlords or owners who took all or part of a deposit without justification. He said... Thankfully, no vulnerable tenants lost out in this case. In fact, no tenant at all, because their landlords have done the decent thing and paid the deposit back. It was the owners and landlords who lost out. The offence easily crosses the custody, custody threshold, but I'm going to give you a chance by imposing a suspended sentence. Cawley was, suspen- was sentenced to nine months in prison, suspended for two years, and he must pay seven hundred pounds costs. Compensation will be considered at a hearing in July.
1: A man who stabbed his father to death denies it was murder, blaming loss of control. Darren Simpson, sorry, Darren Sampson, entered a not guilty plea to the murder of his father, Robert Sampson, when he appeared before Judge Robert Dukes at Worcester Crown Court on Friday the 26th of January. (coughs) The 28-year-old, previously of Broomhall Cottages, Broomhall, Worcester, appeared in the dock of Court 1 alongside two female dock officers. He was wearing a grey hooded top, a black T-shirt and glasses and at one stage appeared to be trying to crane his head up to look at the people in the public gallery which lies just above the dock. The public gallery at the back of the court was busy but not full, filling up as the case was called on the tannoy system. Once the judge had entered the courtroom, the clerk asked Sampson to stand and told him he was charged with murder before asking him his plea. Not guilty, said Sampson. We have previously reported how Mr Sampson suffered a stab wound to his left-hand side on November 17th last year. The 63-year-old was found on Crookborough Road, Norton, near Worcester. The trial date was fixed for April 30th at Worcester Crown Court and is expected to take around seven days, a time estimate which was described as realistic by the prosecution. Robert Price appeared for the prosecution and Rachel Brand QC and Adam Western for the defence. Miss Brand said, the issue in the case will be loss of control. There is no dispute that he was responsible for the death. She told the court a psychiatric report had been ordered and a psychiatrist had seen Sampson, but the defence has yet to, to receive the report. Miss Brand said the case was a hybrid case and as such likely to involve a combination of paper and digital case files. Much of the hearing was devoted to setting down the timetable before trial, including the deadline for the disclosure evidence and the production of a defence statement. The court was also told that one of the witnesses was a 16-year-old eyewitness. The trial could involve as many as 18 witnesses, but the court heard how this number was likely to be reduced before the trial begins. Bodycam footage from the police and pathology and pathology evidence is also expected to feature. The custody time limit for the defendant expires on May the 18th. The judge remanded him in custody until his trial.
3: A carer stole £300 from a disabled mother she was supposed to be looking after. Tara Fox of Oakridge Close Worcester withdrew cash with Emma Bradburn's card on Christmas Eve. Fox, aged 30, said she felt physically sick after stealing the money from Ms Bradburn, who was seriously injured in a car accident in 2003. Leslie Ashton, prosecuting, said, this was a breach of trust. The defendant was her carer. She had been caring for Emma since June last year. She, Mrs. Bradburn, requires 24-hour care. She's dependent on carers for all aspects of daily life. She trusts carers implicitly. She checked her bank account on Christmas Day and noticed £300 had been taken from her account just before 7am on the 24th of December. It became apparent the defendant was responsible. She had been given her card in the past with permission to pay the TV licence. Worcester Magistrates Court heard how Fox removed Miss Bradburn's card from her purse to withdraw the money. Miss Ashton added, she then returned the card back to the handbag after withdrawal. She described herself as feeling physically sick for what she had done. She wasn't able to explain why she did this. She contacted her employers and told them what she had done. She said she didn't know what she was doing. She said she had money in her bank and didn't need money for Christmas. The solicitor said the incident had had a significant impact on the victim, who trusts carers with her personal possessions. He added that police had described Fox as genuinely remorseful for her crime. Mark Lister, defending, argued that the defendant was in self-destruct mode when she committed the theft. He said on the 7th of December, she had taken an overdose and had been in hospital and been referred to mental health services. She referred the matter, the theft, to her own employers herself. She's been a carer for five years. It's the one thing she enjoyed in her life. He added that Fox was previously diagnosed with depression and borderline personality disorder. She also has previous convictions, but they were not considered relevant by the defending solicitor. Probation worker Tina Williams said the defendant... Who is currently unemployed has built up significant debts which she needs to manage. She added that Fox voluntarily went to the police after her bosses told officers about the theft. Trevor Higginbotham, chair of the bench, said, We've heard you have significant debts. You didn't need the £300, but obviously that played a factor. You made a full admission and pleaded guilty at the earliest opportunity. You appreciate that the breach of trust is something that's affected the injured party very much. Worcester Magistrates Court ordered Fox to pay £300 compensation to HSBC, which gave the victim this amount after the theft. The court also hit the defendant with a £50 fine, an £85 victim surge charge and 25 rehabilitation activity requirement days at the sentencing hearing on Thursday.
0: A drunken reveller who bit (coughs) one bouncer and punched another after he, he was ejected from a Worcester bar has had an appeal against his conviction thrown out. Christopher Ball attacked two bouncers in Bolero in Worcester After a drunken day out, watching a Worcester Warriors rugby match, a court heard. The 36-year-old appealed against his conviction for two assaults at the popular bar in Forgate Street when he appeared at Worcester Crown Court, claiming he had been punched and his mouth had been gouged by door staff during the incident on March twelfth, two 2016. However, Judge Robert Dukes QC, sitting with one of the magistrates who imposed the original sentence, rejected Ball's appeal at a hearing on Friday and said he must have had at least nine pints of lager before he even left the Warriors' ground to go to Bolero, where he ordered more lager. Ball was convicted at Worcester Magistrates Court on May 25, 2016, after Abden Nasser was bitten on his thumb and Dritten Tabaku received a punch to his forehead, leaving a mark above his left eye. Photographs of the injuries to both men and CCTV footage of the incident were shown to the judge before he and the magistrate reached a decision on the appeal. Ball of Drake Street Welland gave evidence from the witness box, claiming he had been assaulted and had only wanted to know what had happened to his friends who had already been told to leave Bolero. He said he had been part of a group of ten watching Worcester Warriors play rugby from a box at Six Way Stadium arriving at the ground at around noon. Ball stayed to watch a Six Nations match on television, drinking seven pints of lager or more, before he and a group of friends got a taxi into the city centre, arriving at Bolero at around 7pm. The group came to the attention of staff when a plant was damaged at the back of the bar and some of Ball's friends were asked to leave. Ball said he went to the door to see if his friends had left to go somewhere else or were coming back inside and to see what was going on because he could hear shouting and swearing outside. At this stage, door staff were trying to close the gates using a pin mechanism. Ball admitted he had his hand on the gate trying to keep it open. He said, ''It all happened very quickly.'' The bouncers came and pushed me out. Whilst I was being pushed out, I had hands pushed in my face and my mouth gouged. It wasn't very nice. Ball said the gates were closed behind him and he tried to push them open, admitting that he attempted to lunge at door staff. However, he denied punching or biting anyone but conceded he had been angry for a moment, claiming that... Mr. Chatawi had punched him. He told the court that police arrived in three or four minutes and he was arrested and placed in the police van, kept in overnight and interviewed 20 hours later when he was sober. Patrick Kelly, prosecuting, told Ball he had been drunk and that CCTV showed him performing a one-legged stagger. He said... You started fighting, didn't you? The bouncer stepped away from you, and you turned and you attacked. You were drunk and started to get angry, but Ball said he did not bite anyone deliberately. He said, "I would not say I was biting." He was pushing me. He had his fingers in my mouth. Conrad Guard, defending, argued that the descriptions given by Staff, of Ball as being six foot tall and aged in his early 40s, did not match Ball's appearance, as he was younger and only 5 foot 10. Judge Jukes rejected the defence argument that this was a case of mistaken identity and said, in fact, Ball stood out on the CCTV because of his striking dark hair and distinctive blue pullover. He said the men Ball assaulted had both been highly impressive witnesses, who had been very clear in their evidence about what must have been a confusing scene and a difficult scene he added we have seen their demeanour at the time of handling this and the striking thing is the contrast between those who were trying to get the troublemakers out and those who were trying who who were the troublemakers trying to get back into the club judge jukes said the injury to mr Chatoi showed a marked bite and that the use of the teeth was a weapon and could have resulted in a charge of assault occasioning actual bodily harm. We have no hesitation in dismissing this appeal, he said. Judge Jukes and the magistrate agreed not to vary the original sentence, which was a 12-month community order with 250 hours of unpaid work, £200 compensation for Mr Chatawi and 100 for Mr Tabaku, Ball must pay £1,015 court costs for appeal.
2: A controversial cycling event which divided opinion in Worcester could be coming back to the city this year. The second edition of Velo Birmingham, which saw thousands of cyclists ride 100 100 miles through the West Midlands last September, will be on the agenda at Worcestershire County Council's Cabinet meeting on Thursday, February 8th. Many residents and business owners will be anxious about what the Conservative councillors running the authority agree to regarding the event. Last year, many people were upset by the length of time that roads were closed in the county to make way for the event. There were also suggestions that the council hadn't asked residents their opinion before agreeing in principle to closing roads for up to eight hours and that when the public opposition became apparent, County Hall could not ask the Velo organisers CSM Active to change the length of the road closures. However, hundreds of people enjoyed seeing the velo in the county on Sunday, September 24th last year and welcomed the boost to the economy as people spent money in local businesses before and after watching the race. One businesswoman who felt she suffered last year was Julie Taylor who runs the Wharf Caravan Park at Holt Fleet near Ombersley. Her immediate reaction was, oh no, when she heard that the sportive ride might be returning this year. She said it was the road closures that caused us all the problems. People didn't come and stay that weekend because of the closures, so we lost business. She added that those that did come and stay weren't able to leave by car for a long time during the Sunday. The road was meant to be closed between 8am and until 3.30pm, but it didn't open until 4pm because nobody came to open up the roads when they said they would. Customers who stayed couldn't get out for hours. But that's the only problem I have with it. The totally closed roads and length of time they were closed. The cyclists themselves were fine. Last September, 1,500 riders raced along a loop through the county to the north and west of Worcester, passing Kidderminster, Ombersley and Droitwich Spa before heading back to Birmingham. Thousands of people turned out to watch the Velo last year and many locals said they felt the event was well organised and good for the county. The Gardener's Arms in Droitwich organised a street party for last year's Velo and manager Paul Evans would love to see the event return. We'd definitely like it to come back. The ride came past the pub and we put on a street party. We had music in the garden and got other local businesses to do the food and the street was packed. We had a really good day, really good for business. Lots of people came out to enjoy it, and even the riders, as they came through, were cheering and saying, Well done, Droitwich! It was great! Clive Slade wrote to the Worcester News after the event to offer his support. I operate a transport-related business, which, just by its definition, depends on the unhindered use of our road network, he wrote. I am a realist and not idealist, and accept at times that this, for many reasons, is not possible, and I plan accordingly. The 2017 Velo event did have an impact on me personally and I had to change my business plan route at a cost to me. As I observed the event through gritted teeth, I have to concede it really was a spectacle whereupon professional amateur and newbie cyclists of all ages were enjoying the cycling on open, safe and restrictive roads whilst apparently raising funds for their chosen charity. No route or date for 2018's event has yet been published. And that was the headline on um, Wednesday. And then on the in the paper on the following day on Thursday, the Velo Birmingham, a controversial bike ride which divided opinion in Worcester, will not be coming back to the county. It has been revealed. The organiser of the event announced that the next edition of the ride will be on in the spring of 2019. The ride organiser was tight-lipped on Monday when the Worcester News asked for details. But yesterday it announced that the new date, stating it wanted to be able to take advantage of the longer days compared to an autumn ride. The organiser is also developing a new route which will still be on 100 miles of closed roads and will again start and finish in Birmingham city centre. But because the ride, which saw 15,000 riders take part last summer, has now been put back by months, it has been taken off the agenda at Worcester County Council next Cabinet meeting. Last year many people were upset by the length of time roads were closed. However, thousands of people supported the event and it was well organised and good for the county. Simon Gehti, leader of Worcestershire's County Council, said We are aware that this year's velo cycling event has been postponed. As a result of the organiser's decision, we will no longer debate potential road closures at next week's meeting. CSM Active had asked for permission to use the same route through Worcestershire in September and affected parish councils had been asked for their views. But in a late change of mind, the company decided to postpone the event. John Ridgen, chairman of CSM Active, the company which organises the ride, said, While the inaugural Velo Birmingham was a huge success, it was clear to us that some changes would be necessary if the event was to reach its long-term potential. Together with our partners, Birmingham City Council, we are determined to ensure that this wonderful event continues to develop and evolve, becoming not just bigger and better but also more inclusive and appealing to as wide an audience as possible. CSM has also told potential riders who have pre-registered for the next Velo Birmingham that it is also organising another 100-mile Velo ride to take place this autumn, but it won't say yet where that might be. A spokesman for the company said it couldn't say whether the new route would include Worcestershire. Last year's event in September saw the riders make an anti-clockwise loop through the county, north of Worcester, coming as far south as Ombersley. No request has yet been made by CSM Active to Worcestershire County Council after the 2019 event.
1: A man and a woman were attacked in their own home by robbers. Two men knocked on the door of the house in Drake Avenue, Dines Green, Worcester, and attacked the pair on Tuesday evening. They were rushed to hospital by ambulance. Their injuries are not believed to be life-threatening. Locals believe there was a stabbing, but police could not confirm this as the Worcester News went to press. This is tonight's edition of the paper, Thursday night, so uh, this is most up-to-date news. The offenders then stole items from the home and left in an unknown direction. Police were called to the home shortly after 11.30pm to a report of an aggravated burglary. Police are now conducting reassurance patrols in the area. The attack is believed to have taken place at a house near the junction with Tudor Way. Investigating Officer PC Chris Buffery from West Mercia Police said Investigations are now ongoing to identify and locate those responsible and a number of inquiries are ongoing. It is believed to be an isolated incident. Officers from the local Safer, safer Neighbourhood team will be conducting reassurance patrols in the area and carrying out house-to-house inquiries." as we investigate the incident. And we would like to hear from anyone who witnessed any suspicious activity in the area or who witnessed the offence. Anyone who has any information that could help the investigation is asked to contact 101, quoting the incident reference 796S of 30th of January 2018. Alternatively, Information can be given anonymously to the independent charity Crime Stoppers on 0800
3: 555 111. Uh, and now moving to some sport. Uh, firstly, rugby. Five Worcester Warriors players are in the England squad for the, their under-26 nations opener against Italy on Friday. 6 pm Greenwich Mean Time. The group, led by head coach Steve Bates, assembled at Bisham Abbey National Sports Centre ahead of the clash at Stadio Enzo Bezo Garizia. Centre Will Butler is the only Warriors back, but is joined by six ways forwards Beck Cutting, Ted Hill, Joe Morris, and James Scott. England include 12 players capped at the level, with nine also part of the squad that reached the World Rugby Under-20 Championship final in Georgia last year. Bates will be assisted by Anthony Allen, former Worcester player Richard Blaise, and James Ponton. Worcestershire and Herefordshire begin their three-counties championship defence against Shropshire, at Worcester's Western Fields on Wednesday, February the 7th. They retain the title by beating Greater Birmingham 21-15 in last season's final, having earlier beaten Shropshire in a group match at Shrewsbury. The two counties meet Greater Birmingham, at Birmingham Exiles Elmden ground on Wednesday, February the 14th. All group matches will kick off at 8pm. The top two sides at the end will contest the final on Sunday May the 20th at Ledbury, 3pm.
0: Now um, a report on the National Indoor Hockey semi-finals for the um, Royal Grammar School Worcester. The um, Royal Grammar RGS um, Worcester girls reached the semi-finals of a National Indoor Hockey competition. They impressed in the Super Sixes Under-16 School Championships at Bromsgrove School. RGS bagged more goals than any other team and Captain Sophie Thompson was top scorer at the tournament. They had won the county competition before finishing regional runners-up to secure their national place. Against Blundell School from Tiverton in the pool (coughs) opener, Thompson and Lottie Atkinson scored hat-tricks, along with Lucy Hawks, adding two to win 8-2. A 5-4 victory over St Lawrence College Ramsgate was followed by a nail-biting 3-all draw against St George's. RGS led the pool and moved into the semi-finals with a game in hand. A tense encounter with Wellington College remained nil-all at half-time, but the opposition went a goal up early in the second period. Even with numerous shots and moving to six outfield players, RGS lost 1-0 to the eventual champions. The Worcester team is coached by Head of Hockey, Leanne Bennett, and former Great Britain Olympic medalist, Sally Walton. Bennett said, ''I'm very proud of the hard work the girls have put in leading up to this tournament.'' and the professional approach they had throughout the National Finals. They are a very very talented age
2: group and a pleasure to coach. Worcestershire Cricket Board reaped the benefits of playing a major role in the new All-Stars Cricket Programme. The England and Wales Cricket Board ran the initiative with 487 5- to 8-year-olds signing up to 23 clubs across the county last year. It aimed to attract youngsters to the game for life and from Worcestershire Worcestershire perspective to find the next Josh Tong. The county board helped to set up many centres where youngsters of any skill level could join in with eight weeks of coaching. Board Cricket Development Director Tom Hill said, 2017 was the first year we ran All-Stars Cricket and we had some exceptional results. In our first year, we had 487 new kids sign up to 23 local clubs. Out of those, 70% were new to cricket and will come back in 2018. Our clubs did a great job exciting these kids aged 5 to 8. In addition, a large number came down to watch games at New Road and be the guard of honour so we can really hook them into our game. All-Stars Cricket is back in 2018 with more exciting games and activities for both new and returning kids. We're hoping to at least double that number of children this year and get more (coughs) clubs involved. 85% of people that play, follow or attend cricket games started playing when they were under 16. We know the more we can get to earlier, the more chance there is of them becoming a fan, a volunteer, a player, a groundsman or even a professional. A Josh Tongue. You look at Josh's <laughs> success. He started at local pl- at a local playground. He came through the program, playing in the under-10s when six or seven. That's the exciting things. Of these 487 kids, one or two of these, a handful will stand out already and go on to be the new Josh Tongue. We want talented young kids hooked onto cricket, and it's about creating a following. People can pre-register for All Stars 2018 um, at ecb.co.uk slash play slash stars Worcester Golf and Country Club
1: are continuing their drive to support girls in golf. Their ladies' captain Stella Wood presented a cheque for £365. Pounds fifty pence to Worcestershire and Herefordshire Ladies County Golf Association President uh, Yvonne Foley, to help girls in the sport. The money was raised from a charity bridge <coughs> drive last last year, also on the same evening, Miss Wood raised three hundred and sixty five pounds for her two charities, the British Retinitis Pigmentosa Society and the Guide Dogs for the Blind Association. A club spokesman said the captain would like to thank all lady members for their help and support and making it a great success. The Bowton Park Club, in conjunction with England Golf, are recruiting women and girls with four free lessons on offer from their PGA professional, Graham Farr. They run on Tuesdays on March the 29th and 20th uh, March the 20th and 27th April the 24th and May the 1st. No experience or clubs or clubs are needed. For more details call the shop the pro shop on 01905 422 044. So if you know any ladies or young or girls who'd like to learn golf perhaps you could pass on the news.
3: Uh, And now, moving uh, away from sport to some more general stories. Prams can now be taken over sandy beaches and other difficult terrain with minimum fuss, thanks to a tennis coach come inventor from Worcestershire. Lee Cowan, who has been head coach at Droitwich Spa Lawn Tennis Club since 2011, has now launched sand sliders a pram attachment to safely steer children over sand. The idea for the product came when Mr Cowan, who studied sport, physical education and community studies at the University of Birmingham, was on on holiday in Gran Canaria two years ago. I saw all these families arrive at the beach and then attempt to get their prams over the sand, he said. Some pushed, some pulled, some gave up, and some lifted the pram off the ground. But in all cases, it woke the baby up and made for a really frustrating start to their holiday. In between his tennis commitments, Mr Cowan started dabble-to-dabble with different prototypes that could attach to a pram and allow it to be safely steered over the sand with the minimum of fuss. The result is the sand slider, made from polypropylene and assembled in the UK by workers with disabilities. It attaches to the pram via two simple hooks with an adjustable webbing strap, meaning it can be used on all prams, buggies and strollers up to 50 centimetres in width. The product also folds in half to fit in hand luggage, can be washed clean, is recyclable and fully safety compliant. It has been tested on snow over pebble beaches, pea gravel muddy grass, campsites, and any environment where a normal pram struggles to go. Mr Cowan, who lives in Bromsgrove, said although his hometown may be one of the furthest points in the country from the sea, the reaction to the product has been nothing short of amazing. Parents and grandparents all recognise the problem and the hassle caused by not being able to push your pram through sand, he said. This is a completely new venture for me and totally different from teaching topspin backhands, but seeing happy parents using it gives me a real sense of pride. Prior to taking over at Droitwich, Mr. Cowan coached for four years at Saddlebrook International Tennis Academy in Florida.
0: New buildings in South Worcestershire shouldn't just look nice and be useful. They should help to create places to live, work and relax that stand the test of time. They should also be both distinctive and respect the character of the area surrounding them. Those are the words of an official design guide that planners in Worcester City, ca- Worcester City Council and its partners in Wichhaven District and Malvern Hills District want to issue to developers. The design guide says whatever the function of the building or buildings consideration should be given at the outset of how to design how design can contribute towards creating stronger communities the 80-page document could be adopted by the three authorities as part of the South Worcestershire development plan it says, the aim is to improve the overall quality of built design within South Worcestershire, and adds, it is important that buildings from the 21st century make an impact on built and urban design and become valued buildings and places of the future. This is achieved by locally distinctive design, design that respects and enhances local character and incorporates contemporary and sustainable approaches to development. Specific advice includes avoiding flat roofs on porches, extensions and garages, which could be used by intruders, and to have houses overlooking each other without interrupting personal space. Gardens provided for new houses should allow for the addition of a conservatory in the f- in the future while retaining sufficient outside space new buildings should be designed to maximize natural ventilation so that during the summer breezes can assist the ventilation of a building and the outside environment thermal buffering needs to be considered in the design for example Atriums, porches, and integral garages in order to retain heat in winter.
2: More than 55,000 meals have been provided to charities and community groups in Worcester through a Tesco scheme. The supermarket chain's food redistribution scheme, Community Food Connection, has been rolled out across all Tesco stores in the UK, including in the county. Stores are able to provide surplus food every night and to date more than 20 million meals have been provided to charities and community groups taking part. So far nationally, food for 600,000 meals a week is being provided to good causes across the UK, saving them money which could be used to provide other services. And in Worcester, Tesco's initiative has seen 55,000 meals donated to local groups, including homeless shelters, community centres, breakfast clubs and groups providing food to vulnerable older people. The Community Food Connection Programme is run in conjunction with Fair Share and Food Cloud. Good causes are able to link up with local Tesco stores from small express stores to big Tesco extras through an app. The food often includes fresh produce, such as fruit, vegetables and bakery products, as well as chilled products like meat, cheese and ready meals. Tesco's head of community, Alec Brown, said, We know that Community Food Connection is making a real difference to communities in Worcester by providing people in need with meals from food that would otherwise go to waste. Now now that all our stores are taking part, There are more opportunities than ever for groups to benefit from the free food provided under the scheme. Lucy Boswell, Chief Executive of Fair Share said, This is an incredible milestone in store-level food redistribution to charities which Tesco's has made possible since developing the programme with Fair Share and Food Cloud. The daughter of the British Schindler, as he was called,
1: shared her father's story at a Holocaust Memorial Day event in the city. Barbara Winton, the daughter of Sir Nicholas Winton, who famously helped transport 669 children from Nazi-controlled Czechoslovakia to Britain, spoke at Worcester's Guild Hall last Saturday. She warned about the dangerous parallels between how Jews were targeted in Nazi Germany and how minorities, such as refugees, are are treated in the UK today. Laurie Napier, a German Jew who was transported to Britain in 1939, attended the event and expressed the importance of remembering the Holocaust. Mrs Napier, now aged 87 who lives in Kidderminster, said, My father died in Auschwitz. We must never forget what happened. I'm from Berlin. I came over on the Kinder Transport in 1939. It was organised by the English government in 1938. It agreed that it would let in 10,000 children. Miss Napier said she originally felt uneasy in a strange new country and remembers hearing children singing We're Going to Hang Out the Washing on the Seafried Line. However, the nine-year-old soon adjusted to life in England. She even started volunteering in her later years as a way of giving back to the country that welcomed her with open arms. Miss Winton, aged 64, who who completed a master's degree at the University of Worcester, said, The issues are still the same. We are still talking about hatred and division, pulling people apart. I think there are many groups being targeted. EU nationals, for a start. Muslims, Jews, people with pink glasses and beards. Minority groups. All we hear is this negative stuff all the time. Yet the world is full of people doing good things. It doesn't have to be rescuing refugees out of the sea. It could be going and serving tea to people in Worcester. Her father went to Prague in nineteen thirty-nine when he was twenty-nine years old, as part of the British Committee for Refugees from, lef- for, from ref- for Refugees from Czechoslovakia. She said her dad had witnessed the suffering in refugee camps and set himself the impossible task of transporting children endangered by the Nazis, taking them to Britain and taking them to Britain. Some 669 children travelled from Prague to England between March and August 1939. However, the scheme came to an end when war broke out following the German invasion of Poland.
3: As the numbers of rough sleepers in Worcester and nationwide was revealed to have increased over the last year, the government has announced £1 billion of funding to address the problem. As part of a nationwide count, city council officers and their partners in MAGS and CCP found 12 people sleeping rough in the city in November. That's compared to 10 people in 2016. Nationally, numbers have risen for the seventh year in a row. A spokesman for the Department of Housing, Communities and Local Government, led by Bromsgrove MP Sajid Javid, said, no one should ever have to sleep rough. That's why this government is committed to halving rough sleeping by 2022 and eliminating it altogether by 2027. To break the homelessness cycle once and for all, we're providing over £1 billion worth of funding, supporting rough sleepers with the most complex needs through a new housing-first approach and bringing in the most ambitious legislation in decades that will mean people get the support they need earlier. In addition, a new cross-government task force supported by a panel of experts will drive forward a new strategy – that will make life on the streets a thing of the past.
0: Drivers should be punished for going just one mile per hour over the speed limit, according to West Mercia Police's Chief Constable. Chief Constable Anthony Bangham, the National Police Chief's Council lead on road policing, has made national headlines after reportedly saying there should be an end the 10% buffer over the limit. According to the Daily Mail, the West Mercia chief also said in a speech at the Police Federation roads policing conference on Tuesday that speeding awareness courses were being used too widely instead of penalty points and fines and drivers caught speeding should not come whinging to us about it. In speech, the police chief reportedly said, Let's change the message. We are proud to be law enforcers. I do not want the public to be surprised. I want them to be embarrassed when they get caught. They need to understand the law is set at the limit for a reason. They should not come whinging to us about getting caught. If booked at 35 or 34 or 33 in a 30, mile per hour zone that cannot be unfair because they are breaking the law. Current guidance suggests police forces should only issue penalties for drivers caught at 10% plus 2 MPH over the limit 35 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour zone for example. In a statement released yesterday Mr Bangham said the issued had been debated at the meeting and that speed limits were set for good reason. He said no decisions were taken, but we did consider options for how to reduce speeding. I am clear that in my force of West Mercia Police, I want to do everything possible to make our roads safer. We know that enforcement can change people's behaviours and I want to ensure the public who use the road network in West Mercia, are not surprised to see enforcement activity. We will always ensure our activity is intelligence-led and therefore on our highest harm routes. If we know they are dangerous, then we will consider how we best enforce those speed limits. Tory MP Sir Greg Knight warned against an overly aggressive policy against drivers, telling the paper, it will make criminals of motorists who are basically good drivers trying to obey the speed limit while keeping an eye on the road. A total of 1,710 people were killed on the roads in the year up to June 2017, according to the latest statistics. Last year, figures obtained by the Press Association found 18 of 26, or 69%, fixed speed cameras in West Mercia were turned off. However, a spokesman for the force's Safer Roads partnership said this was not true, adding in fact 19 cameras were moved across 27 fixed sites.
2: More than 50 former employees of Littlewoods came together to mark two decades since the store in Worcester City Centre closed its doors for good. The store, which was located on the High Street, shut in January 1998 after a takeover by Marks and Spencers. A reunion was held at Archdale's 73 Club in Windermere Drive, Warnden on the 24th of January for ex-Littlewoods employees to catch up and reminisce. The event was arranged by former staff, including one of the longest-serving recruits, Susan Adams, who started working at Littlewoods in April 1970. She said, "'I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who came to support our reunion. We had a fantastic turnout. "'I know why Littlewoods was such a great place to work. It's the people who I worked with.' "'The reunion went really well. Everyone who came loved seeing people that they hadn't seen for years.' Without everyone's help, this would not have been possible. The event raised more than £266 for Birmingham Children's Hospital and sealed leftover food was donated to Worcester Food Bank. Organisers planned to hold another event in 2023 to mark the 25th anniversary. We received dozens of responses to previous articles about the planned reunion. Does Worcester need a new
1: bridge for walkers and cyclists in the north of the city? And should money be allocated into starting work soon rather than later? While most councillors might be agreed that a new bridge would be a useful addition to the city's transport infrastructure, the timing of the funding was the subject of a confrontation at the Guildhall between the leaders of the Labour and Conservative groups. As the City Council's Place and Economic Development Committee discussed the draft budget for next year to be finalised in March, Councillor Mark Bayliss, leader of the Conservative Group and the Council's Deputy Leader, proposed a new item, spending uh, £500,000 on a cyclist and pedestrian bridge Linking Keepax Park with Gelivelt Park north of the city centre. He said, The Diglas Bridge has been a great success. I'd like to allocate £500,000 as a signal that we will build a bridge linking the two parks. Last year, the City Council agreed to spend £150,000 on a feasibility study to see if such a bridge would work and whether it was needed. That was the bone of contention, with the council leader's labour, Adrian Gregson, saying, We are already doing a feasibility study. Why allocate more money on the bridge before we know whether it's a sensible idea? This is putting the cart before the horse. Councillor Bayliss said he was frustrated with the slow progress and added, This is not money for that. It's the first down payment on actually building it. There were many naysayers about the plan to build Diglas Bridge, but now hundreds of thousands of people use it on an annual basis. The three Labour councillors on the six-person committee, Councillor Greg- Gregson's substitute, Councillor Roger Berry and Councillor Jeff Williams, voted against the proposal. The three Conservative councillors, Councillor Bayliss, Councillor Simon Geraghty and Councillor Lucy Hodgson, voted in favour. As Councillor Hodgson chairs the committee, she had the casting vote and, in adi- and the addition to the budget was approved. The same process saw another £500,000 allocated for housing support, housing support, excluding social housing. £100,000 for business support and the removal of a proposed saving of £55,000 from planning. The draft budget will go to the Policy and Resources Committee before a final decision made by the full council.
3: A club has benefited from a boom in home brewing organising an anniversary event to celebrate a successful first year of all things beer. In recent years, as around 20 pubs a week closed nationally, a brew-it-yourself revolution took off with sales of home brew kits reaching new highs. Worcestershire Home Brew Club began as a Facebook group last January and has grown, now meeting on the third Thursday of every month The Dragon Inn, the tithing. There are now 14 regular members. To celebrate the first anniversary, the club held a meeting at the Dragon Inn, the home of the 2017 Camera Champion Beer by Church End Brewery, last Thursday evening. Dan Walters from the club said The main focus is to bring together Worcestershire based home brewers to share their knowledge and experience. Whether that is brewing from the wide range of homebrew kits that are now available, all the way through to all grain brewing. For more details, contact Mr. Walters by email at dan at morvenhills.net.
0: A burger chain's plan to open a restaurant at the city's £20 million Cathedral Square Plaza has been plunged into further doubt. We previously reported that the accountancy firm KPMG had revealed Byron could close up to 20 restaurants nationally as part of a financial rescue proposal under a company voluntary agreement, CVA, to allow it to continue to trade. A press association report named the planned Worcester outlet as one of 20 restaurants on the at-risk-of-closure list before it has even opened. During a meeting held last Wednesday, creditors and landlords gave near-overwhelming backing to the rescue plan. Effectively, the announcement paves the way for the potential closure of the 20 restaurants. Simon Cope, Chief Executive of Byron, said, Our landlords have been both understanding and positive throughout this process. And we look forward to working proactively with them in coming months. He added, as a result of this restructuring process, a number of our restaurants will close and we will do everything possible to redeploy staff to other sites and initiatives. Mr Cope said a small and more efficient restaurant estate would enable the business to remain sustainable
2: and innovative in the
0: long term.
2: A new unit to support people after they are discharged from hospital has opened in Worcester. The step-down unit in London Road, Worcester, close to Worcestershire Royal Hospital, will support people who are leaving an acute hospital but need an assessment to understand their future care requirements. This may be a long-term care in in a care home or in their own home. Previously, people would be accommodated in different locations, such as care homes where they would receive care and support, but often ended up becoming more dependent rather than independent. To set up the new unit, the County Council worked with health and care partners throughout Worcestershire. This has created more than 20 new social care posts. These posts are currently being recruited and to showcase the step-down unit, and welcome potential new carers. Two open days have been planned. Councillor Adrian Hardman, Cabinet member with responsibility for adult social care, said the step down unit will increase efficiencies, improve outcomes for patients, and reduce the complexity of packages of care needed to support them. We're working together with our health partners. to to relieve growing pressures at the hospital and the opening of this step-down unit will continue towards that. The open days are taking place on Sunday the 28th of January and Monday the 29th, which has actually happened. It will give people the chance to have a look around and ask questions. Director of Adult Services said, we're looking for caring people who want to make a real difference to other people's lives. We want families to walk into the step-down unit and know that their loved ones are receiving the best possible care. The unit has 30 beds and opened at the start of December. A 1,000 donation from Harrison
1: Clark Rickover's Charitable Trust will help local charity Headway Worcester to refurbish their kitchen so that those who have suffered brain injuries can learn life skills in the future. The work, which will cost a total of £10,000, involves knocking down a wall and refitting the kitchen with stainless removable benches, new convection ovens to replace the current broken cooker, and rings on two levels. One set of cooker rings will be for wheelchair users, and there will be a higher working surface, a new fridge, new sinks, and proper commercial flooring. Dawn Oliver, who presented the donation, said, Headway is a superb charity. It provides support to people who have suffered all sorts of problems like strokes, accidents or illness, which have changed their lives. We're very happy to be able to support their work. Mandy Fitzgerald, Headway's fundraising manager, said, I'm really delighted with this donation. A £1,000 is a considerable amount of money and will be a great help. We've now got four thousand pounds to find, which we're going to do. We're going to go all out to do. Only two people could get into our old kitchen at any time, and the cooker was broken, so we really couldn't use it properly at all. Once the work is done at the end of February, we can help people with brain injuries from all over Worcestershire, and offer them the kind of life skills they will need to live independently. And that's always our aim. The charity is also hoping to spruce up its lounge area and is appealing for any unwanted armchairs or dining chairs with arms. Mandy said, Our users need the kind of chairs which people often buy for elderly relatives with arms and high backs because a brain injury often leaves people with mobility problems. It would be great if anyone could donate the kind of chair, that kind of chair, and then we can really smarten the area up and make it easier to use.
0: And that brings us to the end of this week's news. But before I close, I would just like to mention that Eileen Wheelwright, who usually does the copying, is unwell, and after being in hospital for four weeks, is now home and improving. And we do wish her a speedy recovery and best wishes to both Eileen and Brian Wheelwright, our engineer, who is caring for her. And so it remains for me, Judith Doherty, to thank Audrey Luxton, Sally and Ian Rowe and to sign off and hope you all have a good week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.